Hey guys, Reed Goosens here. Now before we dive into today's show, I quickly want to tell you about some exciting things happening in 2018. Now in a few months time, I will be launching my brand spanking new book appropriately titled Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And it is all the best bits from this show transformed into a book. Now, as you are all loyal listeners on this show, we are doing a pre-launch book giveaway. So what you have to do in order to participate in this pre-launch book giveaway is just shoot me an email. It's pretty simple. At info, that's I-N-F-O at readgoosens.com. And in the subject line, you can put the words Kraken book. And in return, I will shoot you back a link where you can go and pre-order your copy of my new book. Now, remember, in that link, there will be an area where you can put the code Kraken, C-R-A-C-K-I-N, and that will enable you to get a discount. I want to thank you all for tuning in. The reason why I do this show is because of my loyal listeners, and this is a way of me giving back to you guys by helping you. You can pre-order the book and get it for free before we launch in a couple of months' time. All right, now back into the show. And the location is critical because what I want is the demographics. Sometimes people come up to me, read, and they say, I've got a house. It's a perfect house for doing assisted living. And I look at the house and I say, you're right, but it's in the wrong location. Nobody's going to move there. No caregiver wants to be there. So it's all about the location. And the demographics are really the key. It's not on the golf course or on the beachfront. It's the demographic of who lives around there. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. (laughs) 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Gene Gorino. Gene is the founder of the Residential Assisted Living Academy, and he is regarded as one of the leading experts in the residential senior housing space. Gene is not, is not only a certified financial planner here in the US for the past 20 years, he's also licensed in Australia, my home country. He has spoken to over 300,000 people across five different countries about the benefits of investing in senior housing. And in addition, he's written, over, he's written four books and hosted three radio shows. Gene is a lifelong entrepreneur with 17 businesses spanning over the last 35 years. Gene absolutely loves his passion and niche for investing in senior housing. So I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show to share his incredible experience and his journey. But enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Gene. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing great. Good to see you and hear you, Reed. <laughs> mate, well, I'm so glad we have got someone in the senior housing space on this show because we've been going for about 120 shows, two, two years now, and I've never had anyone on this show. But before we do get into senior housing, I want to know a little bit more about you. So let's rewind the clock, go all the way back to when you were a kid, and how did you make your first ever dollar? Well, that's interesting. Actually, my, my mom was, uh, I think she wanted to get us out of the house. So she'd send us out of the house and do things like pick up sticks, wrap them together and sell them to the neighbors. We called it kindling for kids. <laughs> so we'd buy bushels of apples and sell them to the neighbors. But that was a, you're going way back, man. That's a long time. <laughs> it's a good question. Just, you know, break the ice. We'll get in there because, you know, Kids who, who earn money as you know will look for a way to earn money typically have that entrepreneurial drive and it sort of it sets the stage for, 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 the, for the future. So, so let's, let's talk through that stage. Talk to me, how did you get involved between selling sticks as a kid all the way through to where you are now and, and what's your journey been? You know, I was actually a professional musician as a teenager, so a drummer and sang, uh, but we were too young to be playing out in the clubs consistently. So we actually started a... A coffee house. This is before coffee was cool, way before Starbucks. And that way we could have a place to play with non-alcohol, hire entertainers to come in and we would play in between. So that's how that all started. So I was an entrepreneur from a very, very young age. We had 300 music students uh, and five of the high school teachers working for us when I was in high school. So we had a landlord. The landlord was bad. The real estate was worse. And two years under that lease, we said, we're either shutting this down or we've got to buy our own place. Looked up the street, saw a for sale sign, and the rest is history. Uh, we literally bought that place, no money down, because we had no money, no credit, no clue. Bought it, and then it led to fix and flip, buy and hold, then commercial real estate. And then flashing forward all the way to where I am today, a lot older, a lot wiser. <laughs> haven't done a ton of things, but I do just one thing now, that's residential assisted living. That's, and that's an incredible journey. So professional musician, couldn't, couldn't play in the clubs because you're too bloody young. You had to go figure out where you're going to play so you can play to your audience. Then you bought a place and then all of a sudden, fast forward all these years, and I was just saying in the introduction, you had 39 business, uh, sorry, 17 businesses in the last 39 years. That's, that's an incredible entrepreneurial streak, journey, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's you know, you are living, you know, you, you're, a, you're a serial entrepreneur in the true sense of the word, right? Yes. Actually, even more businesses than that now. I, I haven't updated that in a while, but I am getting old and I have been doing it for a long, long time and I love it. I could never, I couldn't see working for somebody else, frankly. I, 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 I hear it in your voice, man. I can, I can also see the sparkle in your eye. A lot of entrepreneurs have that screw the W2 uh, <laughs> and, and then let's get out there and, and make it happen. But I want to do dive into the nuts and bolts of why we've got you on the show today. And that's to talk about 
senior assisted living. So for everyone who, who who's out there, you know, as I said, I've never talked to, spoken, interviewed anyone on my show about this niche. This is a very niche topic. We've talked about multifamily, you know, storage, mobile home parks, you name it, we've talked about it. But yeah. senior housing. So let's start at a 30,000 foot level. What do you define senior housing? Because there's all, you know, we've all got grandparents, right? And, and I know there's some grandparents who are on the younger spectrum, some are on the older spectrum who take a lot more care. So where do you fit in? And, and maybe you want to define the different levels of, of, of senior housing care that, that can you know, come. Yeah, usually people think of it in two ends. One is independent living. So that's an adult community, 55 and above. And on the other side of that spectrum is a nursing home. So big institutional brick building that, you know, is green and you can smell the neglect when you walk through the front door. (laughs) Neither of those two, what we do is something right in between. But let's talk about the first one, independent living. Right now, a great business model for a lot of people would be to buy a home and instead of renting it to a family for a year or two, rent it out to, let's say, four individual seniors who are paying a thousand a month, including all utilities, to live with three others, kind of like a Golden Girls model, an old show from the 1980s. That could be a great way to get into this market. And there's so many people that need this right now because the baby boomers, let's go really big picture for a minute. We talk about the baby boomers and and 1945 war ended all over the world. The servicemen come home, they get busy, population explosion. They pause for a little bit, another baby's born. It's It's a tsunami, it's a wall coming through on this aging population. Now, right now, the front edge of the baby boomers are about 82 years old. Now, I'm sorry, 72 years old. They're not going to be checking into the assisted living till they're 82. So it's about 10 years offshore where the baby boomers are going to be moving into assisted living. Right now, their parents are, some people's grandparents are, but the baby boomers are a massive population that is moving our economy and not only in the U.S., but worldwide. So they're going to need help with their care with their housing they're maybe living in a big house now the kids have moved out they got empty bedrooms extra square footage that they don't need but eventually one of the spouses passes away the other one can't take care of themselves the kids who are 50 and 60 are now saying oh my goodness i can't quit my job and move in with mom what do i do so that's the crisis or the opportunity and that's the two sides of the coin and i look at the opportunity to provide that housing and provide that care and it's a very lucrative place to be it does sound like a very lucrative place to be. And I, there's so many questions. Uh, I, I, I'm an engin- a former engineer, structural engineer. So my mind goes instantly to like, you know, how do you do this, right? I want to get into the, nut- the, the true nuts and bolts. So we defined the independent living is on one end of the spectrum, which is, you know, plus 50 years old, 55 years old. And that's yeah. for the young at heart who want to maybe have downsize a little bit, but have a community around them, right? I, I, I think a lot of people listening to the show can relate to that. You know, they have someone in their life who's in a, you know, um, you know, easy senior living, but it's not, you know, it's not assisted. Uh, my, my, myself included, my, my grandparents are in one of those. And then you're on the other end of the spectrum, you have the more uh, institutional care, as you say. And, and I, coming from Australia, I just visited my, my grandfather, my opa, in, in, a, in a senior housing in Australia. And they have that, the actual, the both spectrum all the way through, nearly like kindergarten to, high, to, to year 12 in yeah. one facility. You can come in as a 55-year-old and you don't have to ever leave until, you know, obviously you unfortunately pass away. But there, there, there's that spectrum. But you're saying you're sort of more in the middle between the two, right? 
Yeah, what you just described is called a CCRC, so Continuous Care Retirement Community. And in the U.S., that would look like a big campus, 20 acres. Somebody moves right. in independent living when they need help. They move next door to the assisted living when they need, if they need that additional help, they move to the nursing home or skilled nursing. Right. So if somebody buys in, they may pay $100,000 to just move in. Then it's $2,000 a month for independent living, $4,000 a month for assisted living, and $8,000 a month for the nursing home. Right. And that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, but, but but some people want to do that, right? There, there, there's a oh, yeah. niche for that. So so I, I just I was more trying to develop the backstory. So you know because of my personal experience. So talk to let's get into your more niche of what you do. So you spoke before about buying a single family house with four bedrooms and maybe right. renting out uh, a bedroom to a seat to to someone in, in older. How do yeah. you, how does one go about? even you know understanding if a house can even be converted to do that sort of so surely there's an occupancy limit and all that sort of stuff like what, what are the logistics of that particularly here in the united states yeah i was going to say every country is going to have their own rules of what you can and can't do in the u.s there's uh, very state specific rules and it could be you're limited to six or eight or 12 or 16 or no limit as in how many seniors can be in that house one of the great things about this read is that the Fair Housing Act, usually for landlords, it plays against you. It's not to your benefit. In this case, doing assisted living in a residential setting, it does work to our benefit. They cannot discriminate against grandma. So <laughs> let's just say there's 10 seniors that are living in that home. So it's not going to be your average three bed, two bath, you know, 1500 square foot house. It's going to typically be a bigger home and nicer home. Okay. Now the state will allow you to do 1500 square feet and have 10 seniors in it. That's not what I'm encouraging you to do. That's not what I teach my students to do. Yesterday, I was out looking at a property in Scottsdale, Arizona. Great example, 3,600 square feet. It's got six bedrooms and five bathrooms right now. So that right there, you could have two people in a bedroom. So potentially, theoretically, you could have 12, but in Arizona, we're limited to 10 people. Now, in that 10 people, two people in a bedroom, people would rather have a private room. So the question is, can we take the master and cut it into two or make an addition and so on? So the plan for that house is to take it and actually put on an addition of about a thousand feet. So this way there's 10 full bedrooms and most of them will have private bathrooms. And all that means is we can charge more and more and more because people pay for this uh there's so many things i want to share yeah, yeah. So there, you know when it comes to the how do people pay for it a lot of people assume the government's going to take care of you the government only pays for about two grand or less a month and but the average person is paying 3750 per month so average is not very nice most people that are you you yourself your listeners me i'm not going to put mom in an average place it's four six eight thousand a month so those people are doing it with private pay their own money so if we have a nice home where it's a nice, comfortable setting, a private room, private bathroom, and if we can charge $6,000 a month for that, 6,000 times 10, because that's what I'm limited to in Arizona is 10, that's 60 grand per month in, in income. Now that's right. huge. That's massive. <laughs> it is. The expenses though are the caregivers, the mortgage payment, insurance, food, and all of that. But still with something like that that I just described, you could be netting fifteen, twenty thousand dollars per month from a single family wow. home wow. while you're taking care of these people doing a great job. That's that's an incredible metric, you know, to 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 think of. So um how do you go about looking for a particular deal that is suitable for a senior housing conversion, essentially? That's because that's what it is, right? You're converting it from a single family into, uh, um, uh, into, into senior living. And because and and, and to, to, I'm a structural engineer, I always think about layouts. Like, 
surely an upstairs, downstairs, you know, fitting it all out, retrofitting it with the elevator and all that sort of stuff. That's got to be, that's going to be an expense, right? And, and I, I'm, I'm sort of envisaging, you know, plus $500,000 homes. Like I'm not thinking yeah. that you could get away with it for, you know, 150,000 bucks or something. All like right. That. So let's, let's get some perspective. Number yeah. one, it's definitely not about the real estate. It's about the location. Okay. And the location is critical because what I want is the demographics. Sometimes people come up to me, read, and they say, I've got a house. It's a perfect house for doing assisted living. And I look at the house and I say, you're right, but it's in the wrong location. Nobody's going to move there. No caregiver wants to be there. So it's all about the location. And the demographics are really the key. It's not on the golf course or on the beachfront. It's the demographic of who lives around there. So my ultimate demographic that I'm looking for is the kid, the child, the family of the senior. So 50, 60 years old, their parents are 80, 90 years old. They want mom to be close so that they can go visit mom on a regular basis. If you think the average income, let's say, is $60,000 per household in America, I want to be in an area where it's double that. So 120000 of average income in that neighborhood. So if I've got established neighborhoods with homeowners making good money, not the Beverly Hills cream of the crop, definitely not the wrong side of the tracks on the poor end of town, uh, that upper middle income, that's my target demographic. The house, now we'll get into the engineering part, single <laughs> level better than two, but across the country, more two levels are available than one. So you can do it in two levels, but if the senior has mobility issues, they're going to have their bedroom at least on the first floor, or you would need a chair lift or an elevator. Uh, and if you have a really nice home, like I've been into some of my students' homes that are 7,000 square feet and they do have an elevator and that's beautiful. It's worth spending 30 grand once to make 30 grand a month for life. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and for all those people listening out there, putting in a simple elevator for one, one stop is not that expensive when in the total scheme of things, talking about the numbers that you're talking about. But very interesting. So you need be close to kids. So in a good suburb, and I guess I, I was going to, I thought you were going to say be close to hospitals and freeways and all that sort of stuff. But I guess that's probably still true. But you're, you're saying the main goal is to be close to the family members you know, or, or allow going into a suburb with that $120,000 average income and then looking for houses in that suburb, knowing that if you, you know, you build it, they will come, right? Because other people are living there and, and they're like, oh, hey, I can, you know, two streets over, there's a nice little assisted living place, right? You know, that's one of the lines I use. This is not if you build it, they will come. So, okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because, and that's really important, Reed, because, you know, certainly you do want to be near highways and convenience. So that's all good. But that's so that the kids can come visit. It's so the caregivers can come to work. Out in the middle or over the river and through the woods is not good. It's got to be right in the middle of activity and the right demographic. Mm -hmm. But the second part, the hospital, that's one of the biggest myths. We need to be near a hospital. First of all, most people in America today are within 10 miles of a hospital anyway. But if grandma is going to the hospital every day, that's not a good resident for me. Right. <laughs> that's yep. a medical need. Right. This, even if the hospital is across the street, there's still going to be an ambulance to pick them up and bring them over there. So that myth of being near the hospital, not it. The really, really best location is, and this is a counterintuitive, but very uh, you'll see exactly what I mean. Those of you who are listening who have seen a big box facility, a big, you know, like you were describing, 200-bed unit, a Brookdale, an Atria, Sunrise, and they're building them across the country. If you see one of those come to town, that's a good thing because they did the market research to tell you the seniors are there, they have the money, they're investing $50 million. Your location should be at the end of their driveway. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's, you've actually got me thinking because back home in Australia where I, where I grew up, 
there was a, there's a lot, a quite a large lot, um, 20, 30 acres, and it took years and years and years for it to be developed. And it's finally been developed into the spectrum that you, you said before, CC, CCRC. So everything from nice, quite very lovely houses, very close together, so that, that sort of 55-year-old. And then on the other side, it's more of that upper class. And my dad literally just lives down the street. I, this, is, this, is, this is bloody brilliant. I'm going to get him to listen to this show because I'm sure there's things in Australia that you can do. And I'm not talking about Australian investing. We're talking about US investing. But it just gets the, the, you know, the, 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 the cogs thinking in your head. Yeah. Um, but, but from a, you know, it sounds to me like it's a bloody dormitory, right? Everyone's, everyone's in having a great time. You know, the, 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 so do you have like a, you know, a meal prep area? Do you have to convert the kitchen into a certain to be more in, you know, commercial to allow, you know, provide food for the, these seniors? No, it's really uh, just a home. And okay. when I say just a home, there's certain things you're going to do, like you're going to make it safe for seniors. So you might have grab bars near the toilets and the showers. The doors might be a little wider so that if they have a walker or a wheelchair, they can get through. Instead of having thick carpet, you're probably going to have a smooth floor. There may be, uh, there should be smoke detectors and if required, even sprinklers, fire suppression. But other than that, you'd see it from the outside in my home's we do tours and people come see the homes. We're like, it's just a house. Yeah. <laughs> and then we walk in, it's just a house. But the residents are seniors and those seniors are 80 years old. Now I've had as young as uh, 50 and I've had as old as a hundred plus, but wow. 80 is kind of the mid range right there. There's more women than men. They live together in the same house. They're not going to share a bedroom, you know, unless they're married or two women or two men, but they're living together. And a lot of people wonder, do they get along? Yeah. yeah. It's not like they, they choose to be there, but they are there for a reason. They need help and they can't get it at home. Uh, and, and they have their own private room they can go to, but they also have TV and activities and food and all kinds of things. But it's also not nearly as active as a lot of people think. When you first think about this, you're thinking, ah, I'll have a bus and I'll take them to the ballet and the opera and the senior center. Now, it's hard for grandma to get out of the house. She may go right. out to lunch with the family once a week, but... No, nope, she's there being taken care of. Nobody moves into assisted living unless they need to. Mm. So not they're having fun inside as best they can, but you know, they're they're they're, getting, they're getting that once a month, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully more than that. But it's but it's the family that comes to visit. Like when you go and visit Opa, that you're gonna say, Well, let me come visit or let's go out yep. if you're there more often. Uh, but I love the fact that you already had the experience on that. You've seen it, you understand it, and I think Anybody who's my age, I'm 57, is looking at this saying, oh, man, I'm in the middle of this. My parents have both passed away. But when you get to that point where you realize somebody's got to take care of mom or dad, and then you start to add up the money and say, this is incredibly expensive. You know, I always tell people that as when they first start hearing about this, it's the last thing they're thinking about, right? Mm -hmm. They're investors, they're real estate, they do this, they do that, but they're thinking, okay, no, this makes sense. Everybody's going to come here eventually. Everybody's right. going to get involved one way or the other. And if nothing else, do one of these for your own benefit so you can move into the master bedroom and live for free. <laughs> and it's, uh, I guess it's, is it a sort of stepping stone or is it, is it are you providing a, um, a service, I should say, because the, 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 the quote unquote CCDCs and, and other institutional grade stuff is such a high barrier to entry? Is this more of a lower barrier and providing a great alternative one for investors but also providing an uh, as again a service and to, to 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 quell that need of people like oh my gosh i can't afford to go into the institutional side of it i need something 
on the yeah. spectrum, but not so expensive, right? So, so let's talk about that. I mean, I got into this about 15 years ago. Somebody said senior housing, assisted living is the place to be. I asked him, tell me more. And he said, I can't, I don't do it. I just think it's the place to be. Right. Uh, so it wasn't until about five years ago that when my mom needed help and I went to go look for what's out there, it was like, this is crap. There's nothing out there. And the good places are full. They've got waiting lists. You can't even get in. And you realize I'm going to have to spend five grand for something that is substandard. And it's like, whoa. So at that point, I committed myself to create a solution, a place that I'd be proud to have my own mother in. Not only were those other places expensive, but they were institutional. There's a hundred people and it's a, you know, a dining hall versus a kitchen. Mom lived in a house. She didn't want to move to a hotel. Mm -hmm. The new places are really nice, but it's eye candy for you and I. We walk in and go, oh, look, there's a theater. There's a restaurant. Right. Mom wants to be at home in her own chair, right? Yep. So when we say home, it's an actual home versus home like a hotel or apartment that kind of feels like home. It's an actual home with a group, maybe it's six, eight, 10, 12, 16 seniors in there. So a group of people, peers, their own age that they can relate to. So it's a family setting, 24 seven caregivers. So there's people in there taking care of them. And it's much more personal than it is in the big box facility where it might be 150 people and a handful of caregivers kind of passing down the hall to see that nobody fell. Yep, right? yep. And, and, and I guess you're, like it's it's more of a providing a again that affordable solution, uh, but but having that hands on touch, which is, is really important for a lot of people because you know there there is that conundrum you were saying before that there's and there's so many bad stories about you know elderly people being abused and these sort of institutional grade and you you can't get them into the best care and it's sort of this sliding scale of well if you can't afford it you're going to get crap and if you can afford it fantastic good on you you know and, and I guess that you you're you're sort of meeting that need it's a fantastic thing um, let's get into the let's get into the, the the management side of it you know as an yeah. investor because that's a that'd be a hard one to wrap my head around I, I'm in multifamily I buy a lot of multifamily I go out and I find a, a professional third party property management who can manage 350 400 units how do you find the management side of it and maybe there's just a world out there I don't know about but do you create the management side or have you partnered with people that help you know, you talk about the caregivers, but what about just, you know, the cooking and the cleaning and just, you know, keeping, you know, the place running and, and operating smoothly? You know, one of the biggest challenges in anything is people, right? right? In this case, it's employees, it's your team members, it's the it's the residents, the family. It's always people. And that's a big question that everybody always has, Reed. Right now, if you wanted to get involved in senior housing, you have a couple of options. One, write a check, invest in a REIT, real estate investment trust. Three of the big, three of the uh, top 10 are all about senior housing. Now you can do that. 10 years ago, the rates you were getting were double digits in the teens. Today, they've gotten compressed because there's a lot of money in there. And now it's, it's a little higher, maybe 100 basis points higher, but it's not, a sign it's not double what everybody else is getting. If you want to get more, you have to get more involved. So what that could look like is own the real estate, lease it to an operator who is operating this business. So you're just the landlord. And in that case, you can maybe get twice the market rent with a five-year lease. Now, most people are saying that'd be awesome, and it is. That's would be the best tenant you've ever had. The reason why they're willing to pay twice the rent is they didn't come up with the down payment, the fixed up costs. You did all that. And they're making a boatload of money. So to pay an extra couple of grand a month is no big deal to them because they're making 10 or 15 grand in profit. So if you want to do the real estate side, you're a little more involved. You're going to lease it to somebody, but that's not a whole lot more involvement. 
If you want to back it off and do less, just be a private lender or investor. But the idea of saying, okay, I'm going to buy the house and just hire a management company, it's not that. Right. There's nobody that exists today to do that. And I have students across the country who are developing that model because I told them, I said, that's what everybody would love. They yeah. just want a turnkey where just like in a rental property in Michigan where they say, here's the house, here's the tenant, it's making you 10%, we'll manage it for you. Yep. Now, if you could do that, that's great. But I want you to think about this. It's kind of like a restaurant, a fine dining restaurant. You have a building and then you have a business. The business is what's making the money. If you mm -hmm. turn the lights on, it's just a dirty old building. But <laughs> with the ambiance, the server, the chef, all this, it's, a, it's this magical place that people pay $100 a meal for. So the assisted living is just a house, but it's the service. So the caregivers, the manager, critically important to your success. Right now, there isn't a company that exists that you can just call them up and say, come manage mine. There are people that you can call to hire. I'll pay you three grand a month, five grand a month to run this business. But it's just, it's in essence a hired employee, somebody who's yep. managing it for you. You're still ultimately responsible. So, you know, again, we have a couple of different companies. One that trains people how to do it, the real estate side, the investment side, the operations side. And I do it hands off. I don't go see the homes other than when we go in a bus and go to see them. I'm not there every day. My manager is, I'm not. So I'm managing it, but I'm really managing the manager. I spend five to 10 hours a week. And if you have three or four of these homes within a half hour of each other, it's a very easy to manage operation if you do it right. So right. write a check to the REIT is one, be more hands-on, own the real estate, lease it, or do what I do, the hands-off, but manage the manager five or 10 hours a week is the third. You could be the manager, the caregiver, the cook, the baker, the candlestick maker. Please don't do that. Everybody listen to me. Don't do that. Okay. That's what a lot of people do. They're out there saying, I'm going to live in the house, rent out some bedrooms to some grandmas. No, yeah. you don't own the business. It owns you. You can't take any time off. Don't do that. If you do this right, not only is it incredibly lucrative, and I wanted to say this too, we're not necessarily charging less than Brookdale. We may charge more than they do. We've got a better solution. We get a lot of residents from the big box facility who come to us and say, we didn't get care. Right now, there's people living in those big box facilities paying five grand a month and hiring an outside caregiver to come in and take care of mom and dad. It's nuts. They move into our home. Everything is taken care of, all the food, everything. The caregivers are the ones who are preparing the food. In the upscale homes, we have a chef that comes in and does the food, but the caregivers are there 24 seven. Uh, so keep going. Keep that, that's, no, that, that's, that's fantastic. It's, I, I just would imagine that would be a lot of logistical, not saying nightmares, but there'll be a lot of logistical speed bumps when you're getting in started in this business to make sure you're getting the right caregivers, right? Because that's, that's really important. You can't just go out and hire anyone. You've got to make sure you're putting the right people in place. And I, I blue nurse, I don't know if blue nurses here in, in, in America, but like um, it's Oz care that they're, they're, they're they're the third party companies in Australia because I've dealt with it being you know back home recently with, with one of my, uh, my Omar, she passed away last year. She was 145 days old. So good on her. She had wow. a really great knock, awesome. but the, the, there's these, there's these caregivers and I'm assuming there would be here in the States. You just got to look for them that could provide, they sort of bring, you bring them in as a third party to be the caregiver. You may have to bring in a chef or as you're saying, a cook to, you know, sort of put the pieces together a little bit more. Has there, are there any of those sort of, third-party-esque aged care living, you know, they, they operate as a, as a home-to-home-based caregiving service? Yes, there are, but it's too expensive to make ah, it work properly. So right now, the average person, if you were to call an agency, like in, in the U.S., 
um, Visiting Angels is a national uh-huh. yep. franchise. So you can call them and it's about $23 an hour nationwide average to have that caregiver come to the home to take care of mom or dad. At 23 bucks an hour, that caregiver may only be getting 10, but a place for mom, the franchisee, the fees, the taxes, all that, their profit is the other 10 or 12 or 13. So for us to do this as a business model, the biggest expense is that caregiver. So we're going to hire them directly. They're going to be an employee. Now, you can farm that out. And I, I just want to back up for a second because a lot of people are listening and they're probably, <laughs> saying, oh, this is too much work. Hang right. on for a second. If, I, if all I was saying is we're going to get a, a, a single family home, rent it out and make $100 a month, great. We're talking about a single family home that makes you $10,000 a month. Completely right. different. Now, you have to do something different, be willing to put in some more effort to get that return. Please don't think this is just simple, easy peasy. This is right. get real. And if your goal is to make cash flow, and if you want to be where the future is going, senior housing is great. But I want to go back, though, because you, you said something about apartments. And right now, so many people are getting into apartments. It was, you know, 10 years ago, awesome, because the prices were down. People didn't know. Now, every time I turn around, somebody's a new guru in, in apartments. <laughs> and the cap rates have gotten crushed. There's people getting C apartments at a six cap. And I don't even mean California, I'm talking in markets that should be getting 10 and 12. So the competition has gotten so fierce, but people have figured it out, how to raise capital. The numbers are great. If I have 350 units, and even if I'm making $50 a unit when it's all said and done, it's still great. But again, if we do that with a single family home in a well-located neighborhood, um, we don't, I think too many times read people make life too complicated. The Mm -hmm. older I get, the more simple I want to make it. Uh, you if you could do it with one house and sit back and smoke a cigar and take trips and do what you want to do, then, then do that unless you really do want to have something bigger. No, it, 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 you bring up very good uh, business models because we've I've, uh, a deal I was actually chasing uh, the other day has a five acres next to it. I can build 80 units on it. Now, um, it's in, I can go and title. It's what I've done. It's, I'm, I've done that for many, many years as a professional developer. Um, but I was also thinking maybe you could turn it into some sort of senior housing. You do less density. Um, and you do some sort of senior housing and you go in there and, and that's a different model. You can brand it differently because it's a different part of, you know, put a fence up and brand it differently, have a few small amenities, but do a very similar model to yourself. So maybe, maybe I'll be knocking on your door asking for a bit of advice <laughs> on how to get the business set up because I think that's probably the hard, the, 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 the thing that most people got to get their head wrapped around is, is, is the management side of it. And, and as you said, I think you, you said it correctly. If you're going to go and make a hundred bucks a month on, you know, a turnkey property in Memphis or whatever it is, sure, go do that. But if you're going to make $10,000 a month, there's got to just be a little bit more roll up the sleeve attitude. Got to figure this out. And that's why we've got you here on the show. Um, I know know your time is precious and I want to get through just a handful more questions. But the other question I was going to ask is the financing side of it. So is it because it's single family, are you still going to conventional lenders or what's the sort of, am I still putting 25% down? How does that work in, in in that sort of scenario? So it is a residential family and, and before it's converted and, and when I say converted, I mean, maybe you put in more bedrooms and more bathrooms and the grab bars. It's not like massive, but the point is before you do that, it's just a residential home. So it's not owner occupied. It's going to be non-owner occupied. So a normal 20% down payment, something similar, Fannie, Freddie, all of that. So we can get into it that way, the acquisition. Now, the second part is the whatever renovations you're going to do, like the house I looked at yesterday, the price is five twenty nine, dollars and looking at it, just we went through the contractor, the concept of 
we'll put a we'll put a thousand square foot addition on that's x we got to do this this and this so we may end up putting 150 into it but by the time we're done we've got a property that is it's worth 800 or more and we're into it for less than that more much more importantly we've got a property that can produce 15 to 20,000 a month in profit and that's the magic of this formula so you can do it anywhere any state the financing is residential and that concept of i love using private lenders by the way i mean there's so much money sitting out there on the sideline earning zip nothing nada in bank accounts everybody a lot of people want to get into this that's why i actually created a whole company for people just to invest in these projects because there's so many people there's lenders right now that are approaching me about we want to lend on this as a specific niche in lending. So it's very cool. Awesome. Uh, one other question I have for you, because you brought up some, because you are putting so much value into the property, I would imagine, and maybe I'm just I'm smoking too much dope, you know, but, but, but like, I, can you pay more towards market value or over market value for these assets because of the value you're adding to them and you know that end, well, hey, I'm earning, yeah, you can buy it for 520 or 550, the market's really only 500, but the fact I'm gonna be earning 10 or $15,000 a month, that, you know, nearly purchase price, and I don't wanna say, but does it really matter? <laughs> is, well, that, is that? I know exactly what you're saying. I feel the same way, but it almost doesn't matter because it is about the cash flow. It's location, location, location. Having said that, let's not go crazy. Yeah. I have a student who's in California and he said, Gene, I got this house I'm looking at. It's five bedrooms and five bathrooms. It's 2,200 square feet and it's 2.5 million. I'm like, okay, pause. <laughs> you don't need that house. <clears throat> if anything, just move 10 minutes away where it's not in this prime location that you're paying this two and a half million for. Because you said something earlier, and I want to make sure everybody heard that, that the idea of it's probably a $500,000 house. Markets all over the country are completely different. If we're in San Francisco, $500,000 gets you literally a garage with a lot. <laughs> if you're in Alabama, that gets you the governor's mansion. Right. So completely different. So every market's different, but that middle and upper, that's what I'm looking for. I agree, it is gonna be in that 500 to a million range. It could be 300, it could be 2 million. Just don't go crazy, that's what I'm saying there. Yep. If you did, sometimes I do presentations all over the country and I get very local and specific. And I'll say, here are six different properties from a free house, basically, to a, a really high-end house that makes them gasp when they see it. And which one's better? Well, the reality is the free house, I'm only going to be able to get residents who are willing to live in the worst end of town, right. charging two, 3000 a month. The big, huge mansion that they wouldn't have even considered before, I can have twice as many people and they're willing to pay three times as much. And yet my expenses are virtually the same other than the real estate. So that one up there could be good, but actually I want it to be here. It's what we call the sweet spot, not at the mm -hmm. top, just below, not at the bottom, way above. But that sweet spot, there's always one in your area, your community. It's knowing where it is, how to find it, how to put it together properly. And that's interesting what you just said. There's always one in your community and the United States is such a, you know, when I hear people say, oh, the US housing market, like as if it's one beast, <laughs> right? There's 400 bloody MSAs. Uh, yeah. But I would imagine, and this is again, my outsider's perspective, that Sunbelt type markets are yeah. more appropriate for this type of investing. Maybe there may be more apples on the tree than say the cold you know, northern east coasty type of field, but I could be completely wrong. <laughs> well, here's the deal it's uh, just like in Australia, which is a huge country, I love it dearly. But the point is, north is different than south, and people mm -hmm. 
in your case, move north, right, to get warm right. instead of south. So it's different. In the U.S., we move south. But everybody doesn't move to Florida or Arizona when they turn 65. People think they just punch a card and move down. They don't. Most Just people, the Canadians. Just the Canadians. <laughs> they do. You're right. But but most people stay at home, and they, they stay at home in the house they've been in. And more importantly, they stay near the family. You know, I've got grandkids now, so the concept of being near the kids and the grandkids is the most important thing. I could live anywhere, any country, any climate, doesn't matter, but it's being near the family that's key. So mm-hmm. even if they did move to Florida and all the kids are up north, Canada or wherever it may be, more than likely when it's time to come for the assisted living, they're probably going to move mom or dad back to where all the family is. And so there's thousands of these homes yeah. in Florida, thousands in Arizona. I'm not saying do it there. There's already thousands of homes. There's millions of people who need it, but they're in Rhode Island. They're in mm-hmm. North Dakota. They're mm-hmm. in Minnesota. They're all over the country, right in your own backyard. Right. And I, and, and I would assume that you talk about the sweet spot again, that secondary market, the Phoenixes of the world, the, the, the Floridas of the world, are probably more uh, better, I would say, I'm, I'm just surmising, than say a San Francisco, right? You know, because it's hard, the, the real estate's harder to come by and that, that barrier to entry is a little bit higher to get that sweet spot, what you said before. The answer is yes, but it's just a little change. Like when we say San Fran, as we know, that's even very varied. You got mm-hmm. Pacific Heights, which is, you know, two and a half million dollars for a very small nothing. But if you just go an hour to the east, you're in Oakland, which I wouldn't say go to, but the point is you're in Oakland or Oak Creek and or Walnut Creek and something like mm-hmm. that where all of a sudden instead of two million, I can buy it for eight hundred thousand, which is still a lot if you're from Alabama, right. but it's much more reasonable or do it up in Napa. And now think about that. If somebody's in San Fran to drive to Napa to visit mom and dad, hey, good excuse to go drink wine. <laughs> and I can put the home up there and even charge more. Right. Now, let me let me really blow your mind since you have a lot of international listeners. Imagine the person who's in New Jersey spending $10,000 a month. They could take mom and move her and put her into a home in Belize, in Nicaragua, wow. Costa Rica for three grand a month. Now they're saving $7,000 a month. And that is 84000 a year. They could pay for first class vacations for them and their family to go to Belize, visit mom twice a year, instead of feeling guilty, paying ten grand a month, not visiting her in their own backyard. I mean, that's the model right there that'll blow your mind. And I'm working with students doing exactly that. And, then, and I guess it goes back to that, you know, explaining, and it's not probably on the investment side, but it's on the attracting the, the customer, mm-hmm. but having that balance, right? Because I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's being close to family. So it's at the conundrum of, oh, there is this Belize option. It's probably out there. Not many people would think about it, but there is, you know, the, the, the math makes sense. I could do a $10,000 New Jersey senior housing living, or I could put them in Belize and go and visit them four times a year. Uh, so it, it's interesting to, to as you blow your mind and expand your, your blinkered view to be like, oh, oh, wow, this is okay. So I get it. I love it. I love it, man. But look, I, I, do, I do want to respect your time. I could talk to you for hours about this because I'm, you know, it's a very interesting niche of this, uh, of this space. But one thing, what's the biggest piece of advice on the investment front from an investing point of view would you give to those looking, trying to get break into this assisted housing uh, investing world? Got it. And by the way, I, I know a lot of people are listening. They're kind of getting intrigued about this at the end. And in the show notes, we're going to give you a place to go to get more additional information and training. So it's all good. But if you're looking to just invest and be very, very hands off, the key is 
knowing as much as you can about this, because I already told you, you three of the biggest REITs are healthcare related, senior related, hospitals, senior homes, all of that. But who cares? You're getting six or eight percent. That's no big deal. If you really are going to do this and you really want to get tens and twelves and teens and so on, you need to be involved to some extent, not heavy, but I want you to learn as much as you can. Very importantly, and you said this, Reed, is the operator. Who's the operator? Who's the manager and all of that? I don't want you to get into the details, the minutia, but some of the people that I trained, literally, I'm just training them to be a good investor in this niche, what to do and what not to do, not that they're going to operate or own. They just want to know if I give this this one a hundred grand, is it a good one to invest in? Mm. Mm. No, it's 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 a it's an interesting um, dynamic that a lot of people with money are just you know where do I go? Multifamily, self storage, mobile home parks, assisted living, and, and the beauty of where we're going in this world uh, with so many operators out there that we're getting direct to investment investors are getting direct to operators investment and not having to go through a REIT, not having to go through all those fees right. and that sort of stuff. So that's that's why we do these shows, right? To to educate people on the different ways to get your money out of the bank and start working for you better than getting that 0.025%, you know, right. so in, in a bank. But Gene, uh do want to respect your Saturday. Uh, I always like people to give me their top five investing tips. Ready to get into it? I am. What is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? At the end of each day, making a list of what it is I'm gonna do the next day is probably one of the most important things. Clears your mind, lets you sleep, and you wake up fresh and focused. That's so true, isn't it? Like, oh, I'm, we're so, as entrepreneurs, we've got this chatter in our brain, and even this morning, it's Saturday, I woke up, I was like, oh, I got a, my analyst just sent me that deal. I wonder how it's compared to that other deal. Like, I'm, you know, I did write it down last night, but I know I've got to deal with it though, sometime this weekend or early next week, but it's just yeah. that chatter and getting it out of your brain onto a piece of paper is so, so important. And, for everyone who's listening out there, I think you're seeing a trend. Everyone's writing things down. Get it out of your mind. Whether you're doing it through an app or through a physical pen, I'm writing right down right now my all the notes from today's show. So awesome stuff. Who's been the most influential person in your career to date? And define career because they're oh career. just anything, anything. You know, who's been just the most influential person in your life? I guess. Wow, I mean, that's a, such a heavy question, <laughs> isn't it? My goodness. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it was funny because nobody has asked me that question. I've done lots and lots of interviews, Reed, but you know, what was the first dollar you made? So when, right. you, when I really bring it all the way back, it's my mom encouraging mm -hmm. me an entrepreneur. And I don't know if that was again, just to get me out of the house or not. But she, <laughs> you know, wasn't always that encouraging when I was doing things. When I bought my first house, don't do that. It's an old house, you know? So, uh, there's so many people that have been influential, very sure. I, I really can't pin it down. I'm going to that's, say, that's, thank mom. Yeah, that's that's the great. I think I think mums are mums are the best, and uh, they're, they're, they're someone who inspires. I guess yeah. uh, you know that that entrepreneurial streak to, to to put to get out there, pull your socks up, and go buy some sticks and sell it to the neighbors. <laughs> yeah, I could name a hundred people. Anybody else listening there? If I didn't name you, I could name a hundred people. We're just I'm sure you could. Mom. I'm sure you could, <laughs> uh, mate. In your business, you you have a wide range of businesses, and and we'll get into this uh, in a couple of questions time. But what's the most influential tool in your business, either software related or hardware related, or even a person? Well, okay. If I were to say person, it's actually my COO, which is my daughter. And, ah. uh, you know, she is incredible. But, you know, it's really neat, Reed. It's, that's another thing about this business. Many businesses, my wife's been incredibly supportive, been married for 32 years, 33 coming up in August. Uh, but Congratulations. 
Yes. But this is the first time that she's really involved. And my kids came to me and said, can we get involved? And now four kids, uh, three of them are working with me full time. The fourth one is a college student and he's even asked to do some things over the summer. So he's working as well. <laughs> and my two, you know, in-law, my two uh, son-in-law, daughter-in-law. So it's really cool with that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to say my daughter, Isabel. We'll That's awesome. Her. That's awesome. That's that's, that's fantastic. You've been able to create a leg, a family legacy business, which I think you know we talk, we speak about having close to your family. The fact that you're providing a service for other families to be close to their grand to, the, to their mum and dad and their grandparents and their grandchildren, you're bringing also a business together. It's bringing your family closer. So so well done. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this envy you about that. So wow. so I'm sure I'm sure there's also you know the ups and downs of working with family then seeing them at home at the same time and you know driving each other nuts. We love it. Seriously. We're celebrating awesome. Father's Day, you know, now, today, actually, instead of tomorrow. We, we love it. Well, I better get you off the phone, get you, get you to oh, your celebrations. Okay. <laughs> Mate, now, this is another, another tricky one. What has been the biggest failure in your career? We all love talking about successes, but what's been the biggest failure? What did you learn from that failure? You know, I'm going to, there's so many things we could talk about, because, and you're right. You only learn from the failure. You mm-hmm. go to success, success, you don't learn anything. You just get fat, happy, and lazy. <laughs> But I think one of the things that I learned, because I, I speak and I present to people, one of the things that somebody shared early on, uh, I had a great opportunity to speak and they and there's other people out doing the same topic and they said, all right, I'm going to give you this chance to do it, but just promise me you will not do what they do. Don't use their words, their story, their pattern. Don't do it. Do something completely different. Worst advice I ever got led to the biggest failure because I totally bombed, didn't work out well at all which led to the learning lesson of do the exact opposite, do exactly what somebody else has done. You know, as kids, we get in trouble for copying somebody else's paper. As adults, you get rewarded. You know, <laughs> my mistakes, not from your own and copy what's good. Then you can tweak it a little bit and make it your own. Sure. No, that, that, that's, that's great. And that's why we have these podcasts to, to learn from people like yourself, get, get under the skin and understand what makes you tick uh, because that's what people you're setting, you're setting yourself up for success. So those lessons that you've learned, you know, you, you share them and the bestow them upon other people and they go off and hopefully take action and, you know, make, give it a crack. So awesome yeah. stuff, mate. Here, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? We've talked so much about an incredible space in this, in this industry. It's a very niche space, but I know you have your academy, but I would like, tell me a little bit more about that and, and then, you know, the services around what you provide for the soup to nuts of yeah. whoever want to learn about it. And it's so funny because, you know, I literally could talk about this for three days and that's <laughs> what we do. We have a three-day training and people come from all over the world. We've had people from Australia, all over the U.S., Canada, Philippines to come to our training in Phoenix, Arizona. It's three days long. We do it eight times a year. Wow. We also have a national convention that we do once a year coming up in Scottsdale, Arizona in October. Uh, but if you want to learn more, I'm going to give you two things. One is a free training and the other one is a website. So the free training, go to RAL101.com. RAL, which is residential assisted living, but just simple three letters, RAL, three numbers, 101.com. That is a free training. And what it, what it is, Reed, I, I travel and about six times a year, I do a day of training, five hours, just kind of an introductory class. I took the essence of that five hours, boiled it down to an hour and 15 minutes and broke it down into seven chunks so that nobody can say that's too long or too short. It's just, just right. All the essence of so many of the questions that you asked and want to ask are answered right there. So RAL101.com. And we have a lot of great stuff on our website, which is the RALacademy.com. RALacademy.com. 
Academy. That's awesome. And that will, that will teach everyone the soup to nuts of, you know, we talk, everything we spoke about on the show from finding the deals to making sure you're setting up the property right from infrastructure point of view to make sure that you've got the right financing and people involved and, you know, the private money side of it, right? I, I assume it takes, it's, it's it covers a good introductory training to the whole topic so that you can say, Hey, if I want more, then we have more for you, of course. Great. And then when uh, you said eight times a year, when's your next event come, uh, happening in uh, Phoenix, right? Yep, they happen in Phoenix, and I'm not sure exactly when this will play, but our next one is July 13th through 15th. Then we have uh, September, October, and December. So four more, eight times a year. That's great. It's been an incredible year. We've had so many people come through the training, uh, just blown away. Every time I go out and speak, the crowds are getting bigger. The interest is hotter. People know that this is the place to be. They just want to know how to get in and, and how to do it quickly. <laughs> well, not, as you know, nothing happens overnight. So it takes time. It's a learned practice. It's a learned skill. So make sure you surround yourself with people like yourself that know what they're talking about. Mm. Well, well, Gene, I want to thank you so much for coming on this show today. A couple of the big takeaway pieces of item that I you know, learned from this show, and I just want to summarize is being close to the family. And I think the whole the 30,000 foot level that you're providing a service and an investment model that is nearly like disrupting the space of senior housing because there's a lot of people out there are in the conundrum of their parents are getting older. I don't have the financial ability to go out and, and, and pay tens or twenty thousand dollars a month to get in a decent facility. Otherwise I've got to go you know cram them in some crappy facility where it just it's bad. So I think that your the the the, the actual underlying business model of what you do in providing that service is really quite admirable and and, and giving it as I said the disrupting that space that, that that senior housing living space so, so well done on that i think being co close to the kids and family again goes back to the business model that's quite unique and quite um brilliant in some aspects and then to take it even further to say well hey we could do it in belize and you know get an excuse to fly down to belize with with you know, to, to visit the the, the 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 grandparents i think that's also bloody brilliant uh and then going into just the different ways of where you're tr again trying to solve a problem and, and create like a dormitory style housing it's just different way of thinking it's just it's just again it's, it's, this has been a fascinating interview and i i you know highly i'm sure a lot of people go back and record rewind it and listen to it again but um yeah i think that's been you know some of the biggest things that i've taken away and you know the other thing is that there's so many different ways of getting involved you know coming to one of your training sessions you can be an investor you want to get more hands-on um yeah. very i'm very interested in the in the management side of it just because of how that works is just fascinating to me you can't just plug and play and just hey can you manage my property but it also op opens up an opportunity for another business model which is something i love talking about on the show big business ecosystems <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's it's another way in which people are thinking differently and it's uh, it's just awesome so did i leave anything out there no, you did great. And, I, and again, I'm just going to encourage anybody here who has any interest in what it is that I just shared, do get that free training, RAL101.com. But really focus on, you know, I'm getting older, Reed, so I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to go there. But the point is, the older I get, the more I realize you really need to do what you're passionate about. Don't yep. just run after the dollars because dollars come in, they go out. It's no big deal. It's the people in your life, the relationships you have but also the concept of spending the time doing what you ultimately want to do. I meet people all the time. They're in my homes and they're living a life that uh, they're regretting the things they didn't do. Mm. They wish they spent more time with kids or with this or that. Nobody ever says, Oh, I wish I did more deals. <laughs> I wish I did more business. No, right. all that doesn't matter. What they're wishing for is that their kids would come visit, that right. they would have spent more time with them. So same thing. Don't, 
Don't you park yourself in somebody's home writing a check to them. Create something that you can live passionately about and really go for it, go at it. You'll be the best one doing it, and that's what it's all about. And I think I'd have to invite you back on the show in a couple of months' time to talk about that exact mindset of creating a business that is, you know, a, a lifestyle size, a lifestyle type business rather than a corporate type business. And so you're not you're not slaving away eighty hours a week. You're, you're doing it for the better good of of people. You have a purpose. You have a passion for it, which is I can definitely hear it in your voice and the way you've come across in the show. Absolutely, and and the fact that you seem like a generally down to earth bloke, which is really important in my book. You know, that's a, that's that's you know being Australian. It's like if you're down to earth and you're humble you know, business can get done. So, um, so, so again, I want to thank you so much for coming on this show. Enjoy Father's Day and enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another great episode jam-packed with some incredible investing advice. And remember, if you head over to ral101.com, there's an introductory course over there as well. For anyone who's interested in this space, you can also hit up my website at reedgoosens.com slash podcast, where all the show notes will be of today's show. I want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do it all again next week. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Thank you.